I want to talk to you this morning about joy to the world and what that means to us. Luke tells us, we've read some of this, we've seen some of this on the screen already this morning. That night there were shepherds in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger and suddenly the Trinity Choir was joined by a host of angels uh, and the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom God is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we gather not just to celebrate a, a piece of history and learn some morals and some good things that have happened in life. Neither are we here to talk about a fictional story that never really happened, but it warms our hearts. We're here to talk about the greatest story ever told, the story of you sending your son, Jesus Christ, to deliver us from our sins. We are so grateful for the greatest gift that has ever been given. Lord, as we look into your words, would you give us ears to hear? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This was the announcement for the ages. I hear uh, sports commentators, it's a catch for the ages. It's a this for the ages. Uh, I don't know baseball and football are for the ages, but I know Jesus Christ is for the ages. He's the Son of God, and He came and gave His life for us. Now, as you look at the Christmas story, and I believe most of us are believers today, so I'm going to move very quickly through some things to save time so you can go stuff yourself with turkey or whatever you're going to do the next couple of days, whatever your uh, tradition is. So you look in the Old Testament, the prophets foretold the coming of the Messiah, right? There was going to be a virgin Isaiah tells us, and we, we understand that from the Old Testament, from Genesis, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, from Genesis to Malachi, it's all about Messiah is coming, and there was all these symbols and reminders of what he might, what he was going to look like, but they were only partial symbols. Then in the New Testament, we find an amazing group of people, find Zechariah and Elizabeth, she can't conceive he is ministering to God for the people, and an angel appears to him, and he's speechless. How many of you wives would like to have your husband speechless for nine months? And he they just, could just write to you. Uh, um, and, and God had told him he was going to have a son. Of course, that was going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. Mary would have a visitation. You know, with uh, Mary, there seemed to be three options. Either she was intimate with Joseph, or she was unfaithful or the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus. I believe number three, the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus and the angels had, had told her about it and you love her response. Whatever, whatever you want to do in my life, I, I, my life is for you. And a paraphrase, the red one, a paraphrase. You have Joseph. The angel comes and says, uh, the woman you're engaged to, she's pregnant, you need to marry her. Instead of an ending the engagement, he would take the disdain of the people, he would take the question marks maybe of his family and friends, and he would obey the angels. You have the shepherds, the uh, dirty, stinky shepherds, as we learned tonight. I didn't know that part about them. The laborers of the day, and they heard the angels. They didn't just say, okay, what did we have to eat tonight, guys? <laughs> they went to Bethlehem and knelt before the Christ child. 
You have the wise men, God-fearing men, who God gave a sign. They were seeking. They had studied the, the Old Testament. They had studied other uh, his, historical documents. They knew something significant was happening. They didn't understand it all. You have Anna and Simeon. We love this couple that's in the temple. They went to church every Sabbath. In fact, they were there seven days a week. And God had told them, revealed to them, that they were going to see Messiah before they died. And they saw Messiah. They recognized him. They praised God knowing they had met Messiah. Now, each one of them had a unique role in response. Zechariah and Elizabeth would raise John the Baptist. They would embrace Mary in this. Mary would treasure the news the angel had given her. Joseph would believe the angel and raise a son who did not have his human DNA. The shepherds would rejoice and they went back to their routine. The wise men would go home another way because they believed the messenger that had told them not to go back and tell Herod that they, where the Christ child was. You had Anna and Simeon, they recognized the promise and they were just glad to go into eternity after that. You know, each one of them had what I'll call this morning a crisis. How many of you ever had a crisis in your life? You've got, what's a crisis? A crisis is when you come to a fork in the road, isn't it? It's when like, okay, I can go this way or I can go that way. There's something difficult happening. I need to make a, a huge decision. And each one of them had to make that kind of a decision in their life. Each one had to either believe or receive or reject and resist. Herod was the first one who rejected and resisted the Christ child. But what does that mean for us? When we come to the manger, we have to realize that believing means rejection. Anybody been rejected as a Christian because you believe in Jesus Christ? Mary and Joseph, they'd be the talk of the town, but not in a good way. Later, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, would be marginalized by the religious leaders and ultimately face an untimely death at the hands of Rome. You know, Christians, believers, from a child, from your childhood, you saw these children up here that believe in Jesus until their final days or adult days. This is one thing you will find in life. This world will not understand your faith. Because you're a believer, your reputation may suffer. Your beliefs will be questioned. You will be unwelcomed in various settings. You will be canceled by the cancel culture today. You will be rejected. Here's Jesus, born to an unwed teenager in a shame culture. I cannot imagine that the town, I don't think they would have thrown a baby shower for Mary. Nothing nice would have been happening. They would have been, they faced all this rejection. You know, although the world rejects you, believer, the king born in the manger understands you and he honors you because you are a worshiper, because you are a follower, because you are a believer. When the world tries to marginalize you and cancel you, look to the manger and look to the people of God that God used to communicate the truth. We have this story because people didn't reject him, didn't reject their destiny and their part in the bringing Jesus to this earth. God used them to communicate redemption to us. Aren't you thankful for the Marys and the Josephs and the shepherds and the wise men and all these wonderful characters that God chose? And aren't you thankful he didn't just choose a king? He didn't just choose someone in political authority. He chose the 
the unknown of the day, and that's the way he works. How many of you are glad he, he chooses everyone today? He chooses you, but you will be rejected. You find also in this story that not only will you be rejected, you'll have to make this statement once you come to the manger, I am no longer my own. Say that with me. I am no longer my own. One more time. I am no longer my own. Joseph didn't get to name his son Joseph. In a patriarchal society, he had every right to name his son Jesus, son Joseph. But what did the angel tell him? He's to name him Jesus. I heard the story, where, where, I don't know, just talking to some people recently and uh, reminiscing about a story of a, of a couple who couldn't agree on the name of their child. One wanted one name, one wanted the other name, and so what did they do? They used both names, one is the first and one is the middle, and the, depending on who was speaking to the child, the father or the mother, they used the name that they liked. So the child got called by the middle name or the first name, depending on what parent was calling them. You know, some of us grew up, you know, I got, sometimes I got called George Winfield, which meant I'm in trouble, right, when you use them both together. These parents used them separately. You know, Joseph's culture gave him the total rights over his child, children that he would have. But he said, this is what God has spoken to me, and I will do it God's way. You know, church people have different names for Jesus, don't we? And, and, and not that these are all bad names, but sometimes the only name... We only have one name for Jesus. We want the bless me Jesus. We want the prosperity Jesus. We want the get out of jail Jesus. We want the comfort Jesus who's going to make our life comfortable. The question is not so much what do we want. What does God want out of us? Is the babe in the manger your Lord? Let me say that again. Is the babe in the manger your Lord. Many people would embrace Jesus if they could have some exclusion clauses. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can be Lord if you fill in the blank, you don't mess with this in my life, you do this for me. But here's the proper response, the response we saw from the shepherds and the wise men, and Mary and Joseph. You are Lord. How can I serve you? If he's your Lord, he sent you here to serve him, not for him to serve you. Again, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What if the church world, what if every one of us as believers this morning would come to the manger once again and say, I worship you. You're my Lord. How can I serve you? How would that change your family? How would that change your life? How would that change our church. So believe you're going to be rejected. You must make him Lord. And finally, and this is especially for those, maybe you're here and have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to acknowledge your need of a Savior. You have to acknowledge that. The Scripture tells us that Jesus came to save his people from their weariness, their, uh, you know, oppression, their, from their sins. Not just a group that has sinned, individuals that have sinned. Everything starts with forgiveness. Here's bottom line truth. We don't love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We don't love God with the entirety of our being. 
So what do we need to do? We need to repent. We need to ask forgiveness. You know, when I think of courage, the courage to ask that forgiveness, the Old Testament, I, I grew up as a kid in church, and you heard about these heroes. You heard about David taking down Goliath, and Moses taking on Pharaoh, and Esther, and the king, and all these are really courageous people. But I look into the story of Jesus coming, I find some really courageous people. Mary was a courageous woman. Joseph was a courageous man. The wise men, to do what they do, they walked in courage. The shepherds walked in courage. Most courageous was God's son, Jesus. He didn't come to a world of comfort. He didn't come to a world that, that we know. He came 2,000 years ago to be born of a virgin. To have to run for his life and escape to Egypt. His parents taking him. Had to live growing up in Nazareth. He had to face the Romans and the religious leaders and all the harshness of the time. He would be despised and he would be rejected. But he would go to the cross for you and me doesn't stop with Christmas, friends. It starts with Christmas. God came down to give his life. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm glad he calls me friend. I'm glad he, he laid down his life for me. J.D. Greer wrote in his, his book about Christmas, searching for Christmas, he said, Christmas is the season of choice. You want to buy a food processor? Amazon offers you 2,000 types. <laughs> or how about a drill? There are more than 40,000 options. And he says, no, I'm not making those numbers up. Choices can be glorious and confusing and empowering and overwhelming all at the same time. And in the West today, it looks as though it is the same God. There is a huge array of deities to choose from, including the not to all option. Walk through an airport or a shopping mall anywhere and you will be walking past countless people who believe in no God. Plenty of people who believe there are many gods and another great multitude who believe in one God but who have very different thoughts on what that one God is like and what he or she or it thinks. For some, God is a kind of distant grandfather guy looking down benevolently and wanting us to be happy. To others, God is a harsh taskmaster, counting up your good and bad actions and weighing up whether he's going to have mercy on you in the end. To others, God is an impersonal force that wound the universe up and is now off doing other stuff while we get on with it down here. To others, God is the universe. There are so many options to choose from. It's empowering and it's overwhelming at the same time. How do you know? How do you choose? What does it matter? Isaiah's claim was that the baby who would be born at the first Christmas would be mighty God. For all that Israel needed, for all that they lacked, for all they could never be in themselves, they had God, the great I am, the mighty God, a purifying, ever-present, shepherding, providing, healing, defending God. That's who the God in the manger is. God's son, Jesus, came down. He came down to be rejected and despised by those he came to redeem. He came to ask us 
to give our total allegiance to him. I am no longer my own if I'm a follower of Christ. It's not me and Christ is my buddy or my friend that comes along. It's he's my Lord. He's my king. He's my savior. It all begins with acknowledging I need that baby in the manger. I can't do this. I can't gain eternal life any other way. And there are no other gods. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can approach. No one can come to the Father except through him. What does that mean for me as a believer? Christmas is a wonderful time to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, where have I drifted in 2022 that I need to get back on track in 2023? Holy Spirit, where am I not allowing you to be Lord? Holding on to some things, and I have some exception clauses in my Christian walk. Father, I'm going to repent of those today. For some of us, maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But this morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and in your heart, just sense there's, there's something moving you, compelling you. That's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who's inviting you to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Pastor, how do I do that? You do that by what I've just talked about today. You've got to admit, acknowledge your sin, your imperfection. You can't blame it on anyone else. It's the decisions, the choices that you've made when you've come to crisis in your life. Say, I, I admit I need him. You have to believe that the babe in the manger was the one who hung on the cross for your sins and was resurrected on that third day. You have to make that a life choice. You're going to be Lord. I'm going to begin following you. Read your word. I'm going to be with a group of people who believe in you. I'm going to start learning. And I'm going to look forward to seeing you in eternity. A, B, and C. Admit, believe, and choose. Let's pray together. Father, it's Christmas season. We sometimes battle all of the of the story being made into a commercial for the world being being set aside as something nice for kids or a story to warm our hearts and to give us a little bit of hope. Father, this morning we're not here for a little bit of hope. We're here for the greatest hope the world has ever encountered. We're again not here for some story that's, you have to be a little weak need to believe this. It's a crutch. No, it's not a crutch. It's salvation. It's redemption. It's transformation. It's life change. Because you did send your son. And he will come again. And we have the opportunity to live with him forever and ever. So once again, we put our faith and our trust. And we invite you to be Lord of our life. Lord of every area of our life. Father, help us not to name you and to limit you and just to come to you for certain things. Would you help us to come on bended knee and ears listening to what you have to speak into our lives. May we, as the those who gathered around the mangers, they, they'd listen to the angels. They listen to the messenger. May we listen to the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for those who right now are saying, I, I admit my imperfection. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I choose to follow him this day. Lord, may they sense the confirmation in their hearts of your great love. 
Now, Father, as we prepare to receive communion, remembering not the manger so much as thinking about where this little babe was going to travel for 33 years, how he was going to teach and do miracles but be rejected by his own. We would have been just like them. We would have also put the nails in his hands. We ask your forgiveness. We ask, Lord, that you would cleanse us of unrighteousness and cleanse us of ways that are displeasing to you. We love you and we thank you for being the sacrifice for our sins. Let's stand together. We're going to receive communion. There's communion here in the front at the communion tables. If you did not pick it up on the way in or ushers are here to help you with communion. Jesus gave us two what we call ordinances of the church. We're to be baptized in water once we believe. Symbol of our death, the sin in an old way of life. And the communion table is where we gather and we think about the sacrifice. At Christmas time, we love to give gifts. We remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he what? He, he gave. As we give, we understand that. Anthony talked about that last week. It's just a, such a wonderful thing that we're remembering the, the greatest gift of all. Today, we also pause and say a, a baby, just a teacher, just a good person could not have saved us. It had to be the son of God who gave his life for us. Father, we hold the bread in our hands and we say thank you. Thank you for the incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us, the one fully God, fully man, came to be our sacrifice. Let's eat of the bread together. Paul tells us that after supper he took the cup and he said this is a new covenant. This is the one that cleanses us from all sins. This is the one that gives us eternal life because he went to the cross. He didn't shy away from the rejection of mankind because he knew that you would live with him forever and ever in eternity. He would have gone to the cross just for you. Just for you. He would have given his life. But there are going to be millions and millions of people who are going to live with him for eternity. And we're going to be a part of that great host. Revelation we read earlier that four and 20 elders bowing down before him saying, holy, holy, holy. And when we get to heaven and we have minds where we can more fully grasp and understand the work that he did for us, we'll be forever saying, holy, holy, holy. Father, thank you for the sacrifice. Forgive our sins. Forgive our, our trespasses. Forgive those who have trespassed against us. Help us to be forgivers. May we re represent to this world the love of your son, Jesus Christ, because of his sacrifice. Let's drink together with thanksgiving. Now would you just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the greatest gift that anyone has ever given and anyone could ever receive the gift of forgiveness, the gift of redemption, and the gift of eternal life. Thank you. We say with the angels, glory to God in the highest.
and on earth peace to men of goodwill. Thank you for the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Would you put your hands together to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the hope that you give us.